It's Tech for Market Explainer, your number one business news podcast. Hosted by Danny and the big man. And it starts right now. Howdy, y'all. We are back. And we're just going to jump right into this rundown and we're going to get, get to work today's stories. Elon Musk asked if Twitter sucks in a twit poll. And everyone said it did. So he became the largest shareholder of Twitter. Uh, we're going to get into that. Go ahead. What um, else? An update on a story that we covered before. Frontier and JetBlue are now going to the mattresses to see who can buy the mega bus of the sky, the discount airline, Spirit. And if there's one thing I love, it's a good old corporate knife fight, and we're going to get one. It's like family dollar versus Dollar Tree. Uh, it, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. And, and Walmart's trying to buy them both. Uh, <laughs> FedEx will begin tests. FedEx and Google are going to start getting into autonomous delivery. And I'm asking the question, does this solve the last mile delivery problem that all of these companies have been talking about? And of course, we're going to end off with the palate cleanser. Gary V surprises us by buying into a major league sports team. But it's not the one that we all think it's going to be. That's right. Anyhow, uh, so let's just jump into this first one. This is so exciting. Elon Musk has now joined the board of Twitter because he has purchased roughly 9.2% of the business, making him the largest single shareholder of Twitter. Um, The second largest, I think, was Vanguard. And Vanguard, with far less shares, I think 4%. We're the ones who we believe, anyhow, were able to push out the CEO. So if that's what they were able to do with four percent, what's he gonna do with ten? Ah. Okay. Is Go Danny ahead. gonna get is Danny gonna get his banned Twitter account back? Me thinks so. No, you're never yeah. getting that back. Look, you have here, this is what I find hilarious about this story and i said this before we started recording and now i'm going to say it on the record is that uh eventually elon musk is going to end up in jail right from the sec right i I mean and danny's of course retort to that was if the you know ceo blackrock goes as well and i'm fine with that too the point here's the point elon musk has already been in trouble a couple of times now because of saying things on twitter about affecting his stock price of different companies, his own company, right? There was the whole debacle, I think, two quarters ago about him letting out on Twitter uh, what was private, what will be public remarks on their finances of Tesla and stuff like that. And so he's already been warned by the SEC multiple times using his Twitter account. And um, him and his brother were just probed by the SEC because for insider trading. Right. Um, So, So he has been bashing publicly twitter for yes. a while now on and and on twitter bashing twitter which then is over hilarious. the series of the last couple of months comes up with these two polls that they're talking about in the story and then all of a sudden he lets them know not hey two weeks ago hey i'm gonna be buying twitter he lets right. everybody knows when he's forced to disclose it to everyone right that i just bought 9.2 percent. so he's been driving down the price of Twitter stock for months, for months, just to then buy it and turn around and, oh, by the way, buy it for $3 billion, which he could buy the entire company of 
Twitter and not affect any of his real mm. right, but but buys it at a discount and then almost doubles his money in a couple of days. Listen, there's something about an African immigrant coming to this country and getting so wealthy that he buys what many view as America's public square, Twitter, and then making it better. Okay. Now, here's why. Nothing better, by the way, first of all. He might. He'll get in there. But he might. We don't know. Go ahead. No. So there's some people saying, like, hey, if you look at how much money Twitter's made, like, he has invested to buy this percentage more than Twitter has ever made in profits ever. Well, they almost went bankrupt a couple of years ago, right? Because they couldn't figure out how to monetize what they had created. Twitter, look, there's a lot of people out there. That find that that believe that Twitter is the perfect social media platform because they don't allow all the Facebook stuff. They don't allow all the you know what I mean. It is literally just you have this finite amount of text based communication that right. goes out worldwide constantly, right. right? Yeah, but as someone who has been banned, I mean, listen, I have accounts. I aged my accounts, so I have accounts dating back to 2010, and I have plenty of them. And uh, I have them all logged in on VPNs. So, hey, Twitter, you can keep banning me, but I'm just going to keep coming back, baby. Come at me, bro. Come at me. But what I'm saying is he, you know, there's also this other thing of like, hey, you know, if you're on conservative Twitter, which is really a different algorithm of Twitter, if you follow a lot of those people, which I may or may not do. I don't agree with them politically, but um, there has been this call like Elon, buy Twitter, fix the Internet for us. And I kind of understand where they're coming from. Of like, hey, it'd be nice to have somebody represent some other idea, which, which is interesting. Is now unconfirmed. More than one engineer at Twitter said, "Hey, we're I do terms and conditions, and if he's going to make it more quote unquote free speech oriented, I'm going to I quit my job." Hilarious. That to me is he's cleaning it up. Now, what's what you getting back to what you're saying about it? Like he's going to go to jail for all these SEC violations. Um, no one who did any of the banking nonsense from 2008 went to jail for anything. So, spoken like a Republican. Spoken no. like a Republican. I'm not, I'm not a Republican. Don't even look, accuse me of being one of those things. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. <laughs> Don't justify one thing by saying something completely unrelated, and I won't call no. you that. So that's fine. Here's the, but I'm, that's, that's fair. But I'm just saying, I. So the problem is, I don't view anything as he has done as being moral, incorrect. Maybe it's unlawful, but the point is, what laws? You written? don't find him now. Again, I don't know that that the reason that he bashed Twitter for months on end on Twitter was to drive down their stock price to buy. I can't prove that. I don't know that. What I'm saying though is, if he did do that. To me, that is an SEC violation, and that sh- he should suffer ramifications for that. Well, now, again, so, I don't want to be be the be a bashing Elon Musk. Right, right. I have a lot of respect for Elon Musk. I really Not enjoy too. a lot of the way his brain works. Completely alien, Correct. different than everybody else's. So it's well, not about not that. This planet, he's a Martian. And good, good. If he is Martian, great. My point though yeah. is, is if you, we all, to a certain extent, have to live within certain guidelines. The box. We can try to change the box. We can change the box sometimes. There are ways to do that. But while the rules are the rules, 
99.9% of us should be able to live within the boundaries of those rules. It's what allows us to function. Everybody stop at a stop sign. Everybody, you know what I mean? Waits in line to buy your groceries, whatever. We, we all suffer from the social construct. So if the SEC says that driving down the price of a stock when you have leverage is wrong and Elon Musk committed that, then he's wrong and should suffer those consequences. So I'm saying he is... Perhaps he is thinking, how do I use my wealth to do social good? And well, here's the thing. Like, that, that when that comes out of your mouth, you, if Danny, you, anybody that's been watching the show for any length of time so that when those, knew that when those words came out of Danny's mouth, he didn't believe a single word of them. That Danny does not believe that anyone should spend their money on making the world a better place. Well, well here's the... No, that's not true. I think that capitalistic activity is what makes the world a better place. Seeking profit, making profits is what makes the world a better place. So when people, here's what I'm saying. When people say, we use Mackenzie Bezos as an example, right? She gave her money to organizations, like billions of dollars. She, it's not even, let's be honest, it's Jeff's money, right? Right. She gave, she gave Jeff's money to a bunch of nonprofits. And she's still going to have like a billion dollars when it's all over. So, <laughs> but she thinks she's going to go out there and do good. And here's the problem. I, I, I think the reality is Amazon has done more to make my life better than that lady giving billions of dollars to these random organizations. Right. Where, Individual most, charities that God know, does God knows what. And, and here, here's the reality. Most of these charities that these billionaires are giving money to are tax avoidance schemes. Now, I think taxes are criminal. I think taking people's earnings because they earn it just because they have a pulse and they made a few dollars, you're going to take it. That's that's a human rights violation in my view. But that's just me. But I'm saying if, if I look at the practical thing that Amazon has done to make my life better, it's undeniable that Amazon has made my life measurably better. Hey, you and I are big guys, right? You know how hard it is to go find a pair of... Dude, Amazon partnered with DXL and designed jeans Sure. that... Listen, I used to go buy jeans and then I had to, 60 bucks on the jeans, then another 50 to get them tailored. Mm -hmm. And then I put them on once, I take them off and I put them in a dumpster because they always right. suck. Now, Amazon came along and made the, the jean that fit a big guy the best. Yes, right. it's true. When I put my waist size into the Amazon search bar, the first thing that pops up is shower curtain. So that does hurt my feelings. It's a little fat phobic, just a it's, bit. It's, they're working on the algorithm there. They're, they're, they're working on that. But if I look practically and I say, well, Amazon, so, uh, and Twitter has, interestingly, you know, I have my account that got banned uh, for my brand, Defederate, had 20,000 followers. So I'm just saying that I believe that capitalistic activity and profit seeking are higher order activities that make the world a better place. And so when Elon Musk is investing into Twitter, I actually believe he's, he's, and here's the other thing. If he's not doing it to make the world a better place, he's doing it for the meme. And that actually makes the world a better place. Okay. <laughs> Look, here's so, why he did this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish no, no, I was going to just say one thing. You know, the big man has often said that, you know, we have these dialogues, you know, off off air where he said, you know, it really irritates me. He said this before. And I think you've maybe changed your mind. You'll, you'll speak to that. 
but that when I say value is subjective, that that kind of drives you nuts sometimes because you're like, it shouldn't, like, but here's the, here's the reality, right? Is that meme magic is, meme magic is what made me understand. And this is something I've been saying for, I've been a free market guy for so long. I've right. always said the first lesson of free markets is that value is subjective because I can't place a value on something for someone else. I can't say, hey, having a pair of jeans that fit is worth it to you for this amount of, correct? That's up to the individual. So that's why I always say the first lesson of free market economics is that value is highly subjective. And <clears throat> the thing that really drove the point home to me was watching people make fortunes on meme stocks and other things, right? Mm -hmm. That only happened in the last year where I really understood something that I've been believing for a long time. And the reality that a guy who made all of his money off of a stock that is pumped to the moon that makes that all of his net worth comes from Tesla stock. And he goes on an app, which is which he claims isn't good, Twitter. And he uses that to make Twitter polls and then just does what the Twitter poll says. Is that not democracy? I don't well, like democracy, but that's hilarious. He has not done anything yet except for buy a big chunk of the company and then force them to make him part of the board. So those are the only things he's had time to do, by the way. So now <clears throat> he did look a couple of things here. Okay. I, I, I don't know Elon Musk's intentions. I do know, however, the man has spent a crap ton of money to, to figure out that starting your own social media company is not worth the money. He's figured that right. out. He's done. You think so? He's he. Oh, it's well. It's it's in this and several of our articles. He literally talks about. I hired people to tell me because that's what he originally he wanted to do. What Gary V and Donald Trump and everybody else wants to do: start their own social media empire so that they can make the rules. Right. Right. That's what they all want to do. That's their all first thought is Elon Musk. Somebody as narcissistic as Elon Musk, and I'm not even saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that's just the way most people that have his type of brain are, right? He yeah. is the kind of person that believes that he could start, create, and, and have a social media network that he gained all the rules for. But yeah. he's also smart enough to know to not let his ego get ahead of him and spend the dollars up front to have some, some people that are specialists tell him, hey, this is not a good idea. It's hard to get a social media platform off the ground. It's right. hard to get billions of people signed up to do it when it's much cheaper and much easier to go buy a successful social media platform. Right. And I think we learned, like, we all watched the former president of the United States launch a social media platform to a complete failure. Yes. We watched some of his, you know, I think his right hand man start getter. It was garbage. So, all of these different you know, uh, it's not start. easy. It's not no. easy to get to a Twitter, a Facebook, a LinkedIn. Uh, so it's so I'll relate it to electric cars and say, hey, we at Market Explainer, and I'll speak for myself, but I think Big Man also says, we don't think a lot of these electric startups are going to survive. But the reality is that, hey, you know, Ford and General Motors and, and Stellantis, which owns Chrysler, mm -hmm. all of these companies are sitting by with their stupid amounts of money and all of their manufacturing processes going, okay, which one of you is going to fail big enough, but have enough technology that we're going to swoop in and, you know, your investors lost billions of dollars and all this other stuff. And we're just going to get to buy up the scraps. So mm -hmm. 
I, I do think what he is thinking here is if he can just make the thing where everybody is work the way he wants it, rather than going and making it. Uh, but, and also when I think of things like the metaverse and how the implications of that, I think that making your own Twitter is a poor use of money today because if he just invested that same few billion dollars into metaverse, he could compete with, you know, Mark Stuckersberg. And well, look, Tesla investors are not a big fan of this move. They don't want Elon Musk on that brain thinking about anything else but SpaceX, than, right? And, Tesla, and, the yeah, Cybertruck, and, and everything else. Um, so they, so they don't, they're not big fans of this, right? As far as they've been outspoken at this point, going, uh, we're gonna have to see what he actually is doing on a weekly, daily, whatever basis. But not a big fan of losing his attention, right? The other part of this, look, the two questions that he's asked of Twitter, the two polls that are being used over and over, the first one came out, should the Twitter algorithm be open source? Uh, 1.2 million people voted, 82.7 said yes. We should know basically how the algorithm works with our data, with our information. I think we're going to see more and more of those questions come up. We've talked about that previously. I actually ultimately think that that's going to be something that the government rolls out with. Not, it's not going to be something that businesses do, but it's something that the government, because most people are not going to want you to know what they do with your information. They're just not going to want to do it. And the government doesn't also want everybody to know because then everyone's going to find out, hey, why does this agency called Paya? Why do they have? <laughs> why do they have a back door into everybody's data? Yeah, into everybody's Twitter CIA? account. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. Anyway, and then the other, the second one was: what, Does Twitter why, follow? Why do, why do all of these verified accounts log in from Langley, Virginia? What's that? <laughs> That's right. Uh, the second one was: Does Twitter follow? "Quote unquote free speech rolls." Two million people. Two million people voted. Seventy percent, just over seventy-one percent, said no. It does not follow free speech. Now, and we all have seen Elon Musk tweets, and Elon Musk tweets. He definitely falls on the side that we're of uh, not as free speech is going on in Twitter as he feels like should be available. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's reached the amount of wealth that he's like, "Hey, I see something I don't like. I want to change it." Now, if you are a conspiracy theorist, and you know I, I love people out there like Danny that are, um, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you and I did a story, I don't know whether it was Market Explainer or old program, um, right. where we talked about um, the Washington Post being owned by Jeff Bezos and Correct. some political issues that they ran into about, well, right. if Jeff Bezos is not a fan of X and Y, a uh, politician... What right. keeps Jeff Bezos from calling up a company that he owns and going, hey, I want you to talk bad about, I want you to find something to talk bad about, about ABC politician. What keeps Jeff Bezos from doing that right now? Nothing, right? right? right. Now, if Elon Musk owns a majority stake in Twitter, can right. he now, Elon Musk owns Twitter, Jeff Bezos owns Washington Post. You get what I'm going here, right? Down the conspiracy path of the more and more these trillionaires own more and more They're of where we get our information. Okay. Right, but here's the thing. We're talking about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos versus BlackRock and Vanguard, which, you know, BlackRock and Vanguard own so much of the universe. 
you yeah, be of, of the universe. Like you wouldn't yeah, be, it, you wouldn't understand because when we talk about ownership, we're talking about stocks, right? Investors, yeah. heavy investors in, and they own big chunks of the biggest companies in the world. Correct. And the, uh, you know, the CEO of BlackRock is running around saying a lot of wacky stuff, and he owns. And hey, guess what? Unlike Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, that any of us have any awareness of, we know for a fact that that BlackRock CEOs can just pick up the phone and call the Federal Reserve. So, you know. <laughs> well, there's a term that Elon Musk has used several times, and I've seen other politicians use this to Twitter as well. And you said it earlier. Earlier, It's de facto public town square. And the reason is it's not quite a legal term, but but in the political resources, a town square is seen as or should be a place of 100 percent free speech goes all the way back way before the Internet when we all used to get together in the middle of town, whether it was shaped like a square or not, it didn't matter. You got together in the middle of town. You ever there was a person that got up there and spoke and talked about all the local what was going on and all this kind of stuff and you were able to say and communicate and ask questions as freely as you wanted to be and that's why i'm currently reporting this in a public library and there is someone 10 feet away from me right now that is looking at an adult website while there is a child (laughs) because they legally cannot yeah yeah, when there is a child for computers now i'm trying to like research something because he's homeschooled and they legally cannot prevent him from not looking at adult content. And I got a lot of questions about that kind of mentality, but uh, I think we've kind of killed this story to death, if you would say so. So I think Absolutely. we'll, the well, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it to see. Yes. I will be curious to see what he actually wants to do and yes. how far he's able to take it because we all know that you can go in with good intention intentions sometimes right but it's good it's easy to have good intentions if you don't know the weight of how things work right and so i also want to see if a certain uh public competitor that made public via spec which is now a failing website if they want to take some of that capital and and also become buy up a couple of board seats uh, I, I just don't know that Twitter can become this quote-unquote free speech place that people want it to be. I, I just don't think it, it can. A, a... Listen, it was for – but you know what's interesting, and I'll say this in closing? The reason I have stacked up um, a decade-old, decades-old Twitter accounts in the multiples is because I foresaw a scenario in which they banned me from the platform, and I refuse to go down without a fight. So – that's Danny why he should some... definitely be able to spout his conspiracy theories, his things that he has no way of knowing how to accomplish those goals. Well, that but sounds... still that they should be goals in the first place. Right. <laughs> and uh, I was banned because I made fun of an Indian person. Okay? And I basically said he wasn't funny, even though he calls himself a comedian. You're, and, you're uh, not allowed to be, Danny, mean to anyone. Uh, well, that's a human right. Hate is a human right. Uh, that is uh, endorsed by Market Explainer and the big man. We're going to move on to our next segment. But before that, I want to let you know that our show, Market Explainer, is brought to you by our Patreon. You can catch the exclusive full-length videos at patreon.com slash market explainer and other exclusives that we'll have as the show continues to grow. So this uh, next story we have is that uh, our good friends over at JetBlue now, if, we, if you go back a couple episodes, I think maybe 10 episodes, five episodes, something like that, 
Mm-hmm. We put out. We, we, we talked about a story where Frontier was attempting to buy Spirit, and it was literally the two junkiest airlines on the face of the planet trying to buy, like, going to merge into one right. super conglomerate of terrible airlines. It's literally <laughs> like if Megabus and Greyhound were like, hey, guys, we're going to combine into one company so now only do not have right. any choice at the bottom of the spectrum that's right the one choice you have is like hey do you guys want to sit in some pee or do you want to sit in some pee <laughs> now to me it'd be a little bit like like a greyhound uh wants to buy school buses or vice versa <laughs> like, whatever we're, all, yeah. we're just gonna have one bus available for everybody <laughs> yeah so <laughs> whether you're going to class you know whether you're a senior in high school or you're going to miami you're riding right. on the same bus correct so what's interesting now is JetBlue has proposed that they will buy Spirit Airlines for $3.6 billion instead of the, I forget what the original. Um, well, so let's make this a little simpler. The original bid for Frontier and Spirit was to give Spirit $23 a share. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, um, JetBlue, JetBlue, right, was to buy, was $23 a share. Uh, JetBlue is now offering $33 per share. So $10 mean, more per share. I think you mean Frontier. Frontier was offering 23 Yes, Frontier was offering 23 JetBlue was offering 33 I apologize. Okay. I get tongue-tied. Yep, yep. So <clears throat> why this is interesting is JetBlue kind of has a reputation of being, hey, this is like service as good as Southwest, but airplanes as good as Delta? <laughs> and the biggest thing about this, so I was in a business a long time ago when I was going up and down the East Coast, and I would hop on JetBlue flights, and this was great. But the problem is JetBlue, like I could only go from New York to Boston. I couldn't go from mm-hmm. uh, you know Boston back to the Midwest. I had to fly a different airplane. So they had initially done a deal with American Airlines to help you know fill out their their routes, but by buying spirit they can fill up their routes and what they're saying is we're just going to take spirit airlines we're going to buy up their planes and their routes and convert everything into the jet blue way which i think says what this doesn't make real sense to me okay what this what this <clears throat> makes to me is a so, so they're going to go from making the 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 the, the dumbest the, the megabus of the air right uh-huh and they're going to turn this into hyundai 2010 so 2010 is when Hyundai went from being a joke to like, hey, this is a, like, you can actually drive this car and enjoy it, right? Or it's a good car. And so I think that that's what's kind of happened, right? It's like, oh, hey, like, we're going to be making $60,000 Hyundais now, right? This so. this feels like to me, like the old mobster way of I've only got one buyer. So I'm going to convince this other guy to come in and give me another bid just to drive up the other buyer. Because look, this is an unsolicited offer. Right? right? This is literally JetBlue coming out and going, Danny, I'm going to write you a $3.6 billion check. Well, can you send that over in writing? No, why don't you talk to your wife about it first? Get back to me. Like, <clears throat> So there's nothing real about this yet, right? Whoa, whoa, it's an whoa, whoa, unsolicited whoa. offer that they oh. can now put a, out into the world that you and right. I talk about. It goes back to and then puts you Frontier know, pressure on Frontier. Because here's, right. here's what I don't understand. JetBlue and Spirit, both are East Coast Airlines. You just said it. You would get on a JetBlue flight, but they're very limited on where you could go, especially heading west, because they're both east side airlines. You can go, I think you can go 
JetBlue east to west, but it's limited. I think you're just going New York to Los Angeles. I That's what I'm saying. There, yeah. There's not a there's not a lot of options when you start traveling right they're east coast based yeah, they've got so a lot more flights from, going up and down the east coast so frontier are very makes close sense together it's, yeah because frontier is more west coast and, frontier is yeah. west coast so if if frontier and spirit, spirit. combine you've now linked all of your makes sense country. right you've yeah. got the whole country together if right. your one is to compete with the big four right your delta your right. southwest airlines american airlines right so if you think if southwest is a big four it's it's one hundred percent a big four. It's considered well, right. yeah. I mean, those are Delta, United, uh, American, talk, and Southwest talk, are your about, big four airlines. Yeah, talk about a guy trying to pump up a, a stock, right? Because hey, I love it. Southwest Airlines, and you so can't say anything about it. Hey, no, go ahead and hit so, me with those SEC violations. I'm doing less than Elon Musk. All right, but so if your goal is to at one day. Right on some yeah. level, compete with the big four. It's not combining two East Coast based companies. Airlines, yeah. Okay, but if you've got you, you said this when we talked about this originally. Was you were like, well, what other mergers out there might happen? Right, JetBlue by this other company or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is a good old fashioned. Let's pump up the stock price right out there merger so that our investors can get more money and oh by the way none of this has been approved by the sec right for right. antitrust yeah. because you're you're left leaning politicians big against any of these mergers yeah because stop. these yeah uh, well stop it these That's mergers <laughs> these mergers in their opinion hurt right. uh the monopoly thing, the options yeah. consumer so, options right so here's my thing Getting rid of Spirit Airlines, however you do it, right? Whether it's, you know, taking all their planes and remotely flying them into the ocean, whatever it is you do, to hurt <laughs> you're not hurting the consumer. The consumer that is hurt by Spirit Airlines is the consumer that flies Spirit, Spirit Airlines. <laughs> That's just my opinion. That is not the official opinion of this podcast or right. its holdings company. That is simply my opinion, and it's, you know, uh, considered puffery. Mm-hmm. When it comes to free speech in the context of these kinds of things, so if any attorney is out there trying to think, I'm allowed to say this because it's satire. It's a joke. Could you say it on Twitter? I don't know. Is that the line now? I don't know. <laughs> Could you say it on well, Twitter? I don't know. I'm just I'm using the uh, I'm using the Fox News defense. This is entertainment. This isn't news. <laughs> so <laughs> not no single reasonable person would believe the words that are coming out of his mouth. There, got Correct. It. So, except for me, but so I just think that I believe um, they call that the Tucker Carlson defense. Go ahead. That's correct. Yeah, so that's what I'm using. And uh, big fan, uh, call me Tucker. Uh, so, listen, I think that uh, this merger makes so much more sense because um, it, it 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 would. So, what would happen is I think they would take a lot of that bandwidth and start to blanket the West Coast. Don't you? They would take some of those. Like they would open up new airports and that kind of thing. That's what I think. That takes They'd a lot of logistics. I think they're landing at new airports as well. Yeah, I mean pushing planes to different places and, you know what I mean, right. opening up routes and as they say and stuff like that. There's a lot that goes into that, right, from a planning right. standpoint. And which there is, are already flights. and Right, which is why a company like Frontier buying a company like Spirit actually made a lot of sense. It's, yeah, West Coast, East Coast, the routes are already there. You're just but, buying routes. So, like Southwest had bought a different competitor. I forget which one. AirTran, maybe. Uh, yeah, but Southwest. Ago. The the two. I think two. 
major mergers that Southwest did, Southwest retired all of the planes. Like, so like, they bought so the they, routes. They bought the routes. They, they, they could say they're very consistent using their planes. Southwest is. They use a very specific plane. It keeps costs of, you know what I mean, work down and parts down. And, they and that's they their model. One kind of plane. One so kind of plane. I have adopted this model in socks. Um, I only own one kind of sock. And so when 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 more than 50% of those socks have holes or they're unusable, I throw all of them out and I go buy a whole new set of the exact same sock. So I don't have to pair my socks anymore. So there is a, so, but you got to love a company with that kind of perspective, which is we just do one thing. We do, they're the Chick-fil-A of airlines. Well, Um, keep costs down, right? It, it, you know, mechanics down, parts down, all of this kind of stuff. But anyway, so I, Obviously, these companies aren't going to do that, right? Right. But they're going to look. There's going to be, if the SEC allows it, there's going to be a merger in the near future of whether of it's JetBlue and Frontier, Frontier, or I'm sorry, JetBlue and Spirit, or Frontier right. and Spirit. It doesn't matter. What I am, what I am curious to see on the other side of this is whichever company is left out. Right. How do they catch up? Because whoever's yeah. left out of this merger, now they can, at least on some foot, footing, compete with the big four, right? Yeah, it's going to be rough. But, but how does JetBlue survive if Frontier and Spirit merge? I mean, seriously. Right. I mean, they, they can always be a niche and have a certain amount of routes, right? And right. be very niche, inexpensive. But they're going to continually have to cancel flights because they're just not selling enough tickets to right. pay the pilot, to pay the crew, right? Whatever. Right. Or the fuel cost or whatever it may be. That's the other one. People don't realize, and we, I, I'm not going to get onto the fuel cost right now, but most most um, airlines use uh, gas futures. They buy yeah. gas. Yeah. The Southwest future. is notorious for no- negotiating like five-year contracts of constantly gas right. pricing, right? So they negotiate these gas prices, and guess what? They go up sometimes, right? Yeah. And when they go up, a company like Spirit, JetBlue, Frontier, right, that can't negotiate these ultra-long contracts like a right. Southwest or American, they get stuck with these higher costs of fuel, right. and they can't go up on their prices. And that's when they're – they know now, I would argue, that JetBlue, Spirit, uh, Frontier, these companies know they can't take that next bump. They right. can't survive that next bump. Their only right. choice is to merge and try to become stronger companies. Right. Otherwise, they don't survive that next wave. So, like, what JetBlue was trying to do with American Airlines was have an arrangement where, hey, if you, you book a flight that's on JetBlue, right, mm-hmm. and to a city we don't fly to, we're going to book you from the parts we do fly, and then the rest goes on American Airlines, and vice versa. Sure. Right. And the current administration has antitrust issues with that because it's not really a full merger. But, and <clears throat> listen, I don't get why it's a problem, right? Because you're giving people more options. And but, but what I am, what I do think here is what if, and here's what I think will happen is I think all three of these companies become one company at some point because that's the only way they're all going to compete. And it sounds wacky, but if you think about it, in the rental car business, you know, one company merged and then it set up a chain of events where all of the companies end up becoming 
So you went from having five or six huge, I think it was five or six big rental car companies to having three. So yeah, three. I was gonna say, don't we have three? Because <clears throat> Enterprise, Enterprise owns Alamo and National. Uh, and National, yeah. And then Avis and Budget became one company. Right. So that's so that's five. Uh, but they became so that's five two. companies that became two companies. And then there's Hertz. And right. Hertz is a wild. So what I'm saying is though, is this merger will set off a chain of events where Frontier either dies and goes bankrupt, and then JetBlue, the new JetBlue with Spirit Airlines, buys up their routes or something along those lines. But here's the thing. <laughs> I'm so old. I remember flying on TWA. Yeah. Does anybody remember TWA? Like, does anybody remember Continental? So well, the, because the idea this is- has already happened once, actually twice in the airline industry, where small companies could not survive whatever the issue was. And usually right. it's surrounding gas prices, by the way. The, the yeah. price of their gas goes up so extraordinarily, you cannot right. uh, compensate with prices, right? Because uh, if the reason you can't compensate by raising your prices is simple. Delta, American, uh, not Continental, what's the other one? Uh, whoever bought US Air or whatever, whoever bought Continental. Um, American, Delta, matter. United, and South United. Yeah, United. so United, and you know, there used to be a company called US Air, um, mm-hmm. You know, hey, my parents immigrated to this country, and right now in their cutlery drawer, there are there is cutlery from Republic Airlines. What is Republic Airlines? Died before I was born, but apparently they had metal cutlery, and my father bought them at an auction, and forty years later refuses to put them in the garbage like a normal person would. Yeah, but <clears throat> nonetheless, what I'm driving at here is. This antitrust game that is played by the regulators, which is like, we're going to regulate the economy to make it free. That's a misnomer. You can't, two of those things don't add up properly. But besides that, these companies go out of business, they merge, new ones come, come on the market to compete. Gas prices, the fluctuations go up, it causes more mergers. It's all a crapshoot at the end is what I'm getting at, Right. Well, so, I mean, you you obviously you you know you make it very clear, and I agree with you. I believe in a free market with restrictions. You just believe in a free market, yeah. but uh, the yes, I get where you're coming from, but I don't know that these kind of company. I don't know how much money JetBlue makes. I mean, for all I know, it could literally be subsidized by the government because there's a bunch of those kind of things out there that okay, too. no, we just have to have at least seven airlines to at right. least appear like we don't have a monopoly, right? Yeah. To keep Southwest and Delta from merging into South Delta and owning everything, right? Like in the rental yeah. car business, right? The rental car business, somehow those got through all the things by just saying, all right, well, we'll keep the titles Alamo and yeah, National, yeah, yeah. Right? right? We'll keep we'll keep green on the red on that. Ours will be, right. you know what I mean, yeah. um, and then we'll uh, we'll all we're all separate companies in the eyes of the people that rent from us because they all have separate pricing and everything, right, or whatever. What, My point just, though is, is maybe yeah. this is just Fugues as an yeah. entirety, right? Right. Um, but so I don't know that any of these companies are actual profitable companies. What I do know is that you, as an investor, if you bought stock in Frontier or Spirit at five dollars a share. Right, likely to be making some money, right? When they sell it, with however that happens. Right. So I want. I think it's uh, 
what's the American rail company? What's the, the major American rail company? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Amtrak. Company. Amtrak, okay. <clears throat> yeah, Amtrak is subsidized by the taxpayer to the tune of billions of dollars every year. No one is on the dang thing. And I can tell you, because I know I have family in Minneapolis and Chicago that have used Amtrak and will tell you that if you book the Amtrak, it's longer than driving. It costs almost as much as driving. And if you book the ticket for a three o'clock train ride, you may leave at three tomorrow. Like, we don't right. know when this thing is actually. The train's leaves. coming when the train gets coming, yeah. Right. And so I remember I dropped my uh, uh, folks off the train because my sister was having a surgery in Chicago. So they went to go take care of her. And uh, I, I dropped them off. They were very concerned that they were going to be late. They said, uh, they texted me eight hours later and said, train just left. Eight hours. So you could have hopped on a Southwest flight for 80 bucks, but right. you took the train for 60 bucks and then it screwed up your whole schedule. So that, and listen, I think JetBlue is publicly traded, so we can probably figure out if they're profitable or not. None of that's the point. The point is, you know. They're, they're not making tons of money. I could tell you that. Otherwise, they'd be growing no in airlines. a more traditional way, right? No. So, all of, look, all of this also this has question. to be voted on by Spirit, right? Because yeah. Spirit is a publicly traded company, so they have to yeah. vote on any kind of merger. So let me ask you this question. Why isn't it? that more airlines haven't adopted Southwest's extremely effective model. When I can go on YouTube right now and I can watch four or five documentaries on how Southwest has become so successful. One airline, one class of seating, you know, um, you know, their baggage transfer system is really, really effective. They make a lot of stuff. So listen, if I'm trying to go from Chicago to Austin, I'm going to end up stopping in Dallas. But let me tell you something. If I'm going from Chicago to Austin and I can hop on a Delta flight, it's going to cost more money. I can't check my bags. And guess what? The Delta seats are designed for human beings that simply don't exist on this planet. Okay. <laughs> or at least in this country. Right. Right. At least it's Americans in this country. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the reason is as simple as why isn't every entrepreneur as enlightened as another entrepreneur, right? Why is Elon Musk different than you and I or anybody else on this planet? It's because they have different people telling them different things. Southwest yeah. believes currently in its methodology. And but it's worked for like 40 years or something. Well, but someday there might be a CEO or president of Southwest that comes along and decides that they want to change it, even though it's worked for so long. Delta right. and other American United, maybe they have Look, we all have people that tell us what they think is the right thing. Those are all different kinds of people. Some of them are smart. Some of them are dumb. I have literally in my lifetime, over the last five or six years, I have seen millionaires. I'm talking about millionaires upon millionaires upon millionaires. People that have more money than you understand what to do with in your lifetime. Now, they're not multi-billionaires like Jeff Bezos or of Elon Musk. So. But these are people that their grandkids don't ever have to work. Right. And just because they have that, we think that these are, quote unquote, more intelligent people, that they right. are better at making decisions than most people. And a lot of people around them will listen to them. Now, me, I'm of a particular personality type that I don't care if you're a billionaire or if you, you know, you know, walk ducks for a living. I don't care. I take what you say. I analyze it. 
I analyze it, and then it's true or not true based on the information that I'm getting. I'm not going to take just what you say not for face value because you're a millionaire. Because what I've seen is people that are these kinds of people, for whatever reason, in my experience, not the experience of Market Explainer or Danny, have a tendency to surround themselves with complete idiots. They have a tendency to surround themselves with people people who boost their ego and make themselves make themselves feel good. And maybe that's it. But even sometimes where I know I know a couple of of again millionaires that are very humble. They're not the egotistical kind of right, right, crazy right. people, but they still have a tendency I would never rely on their ability people. to gauge whether a person should be kept around or not and they show right. it over and over because they get their buddies or quote unquote buddies right. their new buddy their old yeah. buddy their old classmate they went to college with or whatever they continually hire these people for very well paid jobs in different companies and right. i've seen it almost completely demolish a company from the inside out because yeah. if you hire jackwagon to be made up management title here and right. he doesn't even know, he or she doesn't even know anything about that particular department that they're heading. That entire right. department's morale goes off of a cliff in a hurry, right? Fair enough. And it can literally demolish a company from the inside out. So that's exactly why, go, taking it back to your question, was why is Southwest, why is nobody else copied? Because they're being told by people that say it's not worth it to change. Right. That so we're, what, we're catering to the person that wants first class right. or whatever. And hey, and the first time I flew Southwest, I asked, oh, where's the first class? Because I, I didn't have a first class ticket. I just didn't bring the ticket. They go, honey, everything on Southwest is first class. That's right. Every seat on Southwest first class. So here's what I, you know, just in conclusion, based on what you said, which is that is why this process of companies growing, failing, merging, that's why that process is kind of important, if you want to say important. It's really important. Yeah, it's because you need fresh blood. And what happens is sometimes the middle management of companies that watch they serve under somebody's idiot friend who demoralizes their department. They go, listen, we're going to take three guys from here, whoever, three guys, three gals, and we're going to go start our own jet blue because American airlines are United or U S air or Republic or whoever, they suck at something. So we're going to go fix it with our own airline. And then they, they come up and they have a thesis. They go put that thesis to work in the marketplace. And the market says, yay or nay. And then they go, Oh crap. We got 50, planes and nobody likes our thesis and so like people say all right what if we treat people like chattel uh cattle and we we start an airline for the subterranean subhuman class and we call it spirit <laughs> and you're right in that to me that's what i love about capitalism that's why i'm capitalist yes. is because the the market does dictate whether you succeed or fail, Correct. right? Yeah. And and depending on who your quote unquote market is, multiple right. people can can like the, in this case airlines. Multiple companies can succeed doing different things because right. the market is big enough. But right. it doesn't always work that way. But yeah, that's that's what I am. If JetBlue and these other companies can't survive, then again, my initial reaction is you know let them die. But then you get into that whole yeah no options right without right. without any options without any competition but is 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 spirit really competition for any airline 
right? Spirit, here's spirits competition. Beats walking, okay? You got to go Boston, <laughs> New York, and you got to walk. Beats walking. Well, in the way that in the way that is Walmart really competition to Louis Vuitton, right? Oh. Is is Southwest Airlines has to take into account Spirit Airlines fee, fees for a ticket yes. if they're right. flying out of the same airport to a very yeah. similar place. Because if Southwest doesn't, Southwest just can't charge three times as much what Spirit does right. and expect to be competitive. So it it does in that particular market, and then they all drive each other, right? But if you take right. that out and there's only two... Right. It gets it gets crazy. We all know it does because that's just human nature. So uh, again, I'll just say this in closing. Um, I happen to know that I think it was Spirit fought and won a lawsuit that air air that certain taxes cannot be charged if you buy the ticket at the counter. And I know somebody who lived in Dallas and would fly up north to see his kids. And what he would do was he would just roll up to the counter at DFW. And buy the ticket. And so instead of it being 160 bucks or whatever for a spirit ticket yeah. going back to going back to the Midwest or going back to Minneapolis, it was 38 bucks. And this is the average size normal guy. And he would just buy two seats because it's be $120 than... in fees. That's it. No, no, in yeah. taxes? So whatever. There was a bunch of taxes and fees that are assessed by the county. And so, like in every situation wow. where it's like, Oh, this airport serves three cities, you know, yeah. serves four cities or whatever. Each city gets to apply a tax. So when you go rent a car at a rental car company at the airport, it costs astronomically more than if you just get in an Uber for $20 and go to the suburban one and say, mm -hmm. I'm going to rent it here, but drop it off at the airport. All of a sudden, the price gets really cheap. So this right. guy would do that all the time. And he would just go, see so yeah, spirits, like the seats are like an inch and a half smaller than Delta or something like that. So what he would do is he would just buy two seats right next to each other and it's mm -hmm. 110 bucks. And he's like, plane's still landing in the place I needed to land. So, you know. Wow. But we're going to move on to our next story. But before we get into the next story, I want to tell you the Market Explainer is brought to you by Big Man Gear. Big Man Gear is this idea, this guy's idea of a merchandise brand. And I want you to go check it out. It is printed and delivered by Amazon Prime. Thank you, Jeff. You can go to Mark, you can go to bigmangear.com mm -hmm. and check it out. So this next one is uh, it's two stories, but it's one segment. Two stories, one segment. It's the new name of our podcast. Actually, I'm kidding. Uh, FedEx is testing autonomous cargo flights starting next year, and they can carry up to 500 pounds in packages between depot stops at a time. And then our good friends over at Alpha, which, as you know, is the parent company of Google, is mm -hmm. um, by the time you are watching this, they are currently doing last mile drone delivery in Dallas with yep. quadcopters, delivering goods from Amazon, I'm sorry, from Walgreens and other participating locations. So the, the question I posed uh, is, have they solved last mile delivery? And the, the big quandary of all of these logistics companies is how do you solve last mile delivery? Now, again, I've always believed that the United States Postal Service is a criminal organization because it robs the taxpayer of their money and delivers poor service. And so I always believed that the, the, the solution was that a private entity should buy them. And guess what? I always felt like a company like Amazon coming in and buying USPS, killing off all of its unnecessary parts 
keeping distribution centers and last mile delivery, it could actually put that to use. And I think we're learning that the reason they didn't do that is because they're probably going to be just delivering things via drone where I think a large UPS style truck pulls up into a region and, you know, smaller drones get out of this, you know, fly out of a sunroof and just come and pick and pick and pick certain delivery. You're laughing now, but what I'm saying is the future. Listen, we are living in the nightmare foretold by the TV show Parks and Recreation. Like the part where Ron Swanson, the like they wrote the Ron Swanson character on Parks and Rec to be a caricature of libertarians. The libertarians go, yeah, no, we like Ron Swanson. Like, yeah, you thought that was a character of us? You thought that was a character of us? No, that is us. No, that's us. Like walking up to the uh, park and saying, hey, you need a you need a permit to do that. And he just pulls out a piece of paper and says, this is my permit. Like that's that's something we would do. That's not a joke. Like we believe that. Like no, going I, to work for going to work for the government, so you can slow it down. I believe in that. Look, this is the last mile, right? That term all shipping companies use to basically get it from the last place it's in their warehouse to you. Right. It's not literal right. mile; it's wherever the warehouse is in your area, right? right? That last mile is always the hardest part because that's where it branches out into the most places, right? That's right. where the mail has to get it to your house and what a post right. person. I don't even know what the term would be in today's world but post person gets you all of your mail right and stuff right. like that that is the last mile look and this is an idea that's been around for a decade now right we yeah. all know that drones have existed for a long time they've been trying to figure out how to automate them to a point that we can deliver packages the last mile right. as you say so that they don't have to pay johnny joe bob to drive the truck and deliver three packages to this neighborhood, five packages to the next neighborhood, and yada, right. yada, right? So they would much rather do it on demand. It would cost them less money, by the way, right. as a company, because they don't need drivers and stuff. Now, they'll never necessarily, unless Elon Musk robots work out, do it entirely, right? Because every right. every machine, every whatever is going to have a weight limit, human, right? Yeah, the human component. And the thing to get into with drones is, they need, you know, most of these drones operate on a battery. Well, the heavier the battery, the 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 faster it drains because it's weight. So right, you know, and, and look, and all of these are going to have. So currently, this the company Wing, which is this company that it's Google also owns Wing. It's one of the people right. that they they purchase. One of these companies they purchase, um, right. and it's starting in North Dallas, places called Frisco and Little Elm. Yeah. They're both in North Dallas, right, North right. of Dallas. Um, I think it's a very interesting list of companies they're partnering with to actually right. have products go out to people. It's right. Walgreens, Bluebell ice cream, yep. which if you've never had Bluebell, Bluebell is the best ice cream in the country. Um, I don't know about that. Easy Vet and Texas Health, right? So kind of an array of things. Right. But essentially what they've agreed to do is take their equipment, these you know drones, drones. these small quadcopter right. drones, they're going to put a... Uh, a big batch of them outside of certain stores, right? Walgreens stores, well, whatever. Yeah. They're going to have the employees of that company, kind of like what uh, uh, parking lot delivery is for Walmart, HEB grocery stores right now. They're going right. to have a, an existing Walgreens employee box that up into a box that's given to them by Wing. They're going right. to walk out. They're going to hang that box on the drone apparatus. They're going right. to let Wing know that, hey, this is ready to go. Currently, these are not autonomous drones. 
These right. are being driven by someone, and are whoever they? that yes that and whoever that driver that drone driver is for Wing will then power that device to wherever it's going and come back. Now that all being said. This does deliver one of the questions about the original Amazon drones that they tried out is Amazon had to land, release the product and then take off again, which if you know anything about flying anything, landing and taking off are the two scariest parts because it's the most often place things can break. Right. Right. And if you remember back to an event that occurred in the fall of 2001 in the United States, they said one of the one of the guys went to a uh, pilot training center and said, "I don't even know my way of this thing." And that was the red <laughs> pilot training center, by the way, miles away from my parents' original home. Hilariously. Oh, really? So, mm. Yeah. Okay. Small world. Um, but in this case, Wing has developed essentially a tethering system, so they yeah. never land. They hover. They tether uh, it down to the ground right. when that resistance stops. So there's no landing, and it eliminates that as an issue. Both battery right. power. Right. And all that stuff. So they're going to try this out. And look, DFW is a great place because it's it's spread right out. Right. So you get a you can bypass. Right. The whole idea is if they can get it there, they can just start spreading it out to more in Dallas and Dallas and Dallas, Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Fort Worth. Right. And then it's not a lot of hills. Right. It's pretty flat. Right. It's what's well, all yeah. cattle land. Right. It was all yeah. Great Prairie. Right. So yeah. it's all flat. There's not a you know what I mean? And because they're doing this outside the city of Dallas, which right. nobody lives in the city of Dallas, everybody lives well, outside of Dallas. People live in the right? city of Dallas. But not most. If they say yeah. they live in Dallas, ask them where what part of Dallas. Yeah, They'll tell you where they're actually from. Carrollton, right. But the people who live actually in Dallas proper. They just moved here from California. They paid a million dollars for, for a, a loft that somewhere. used to be an industrial complex yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the other part of this story is is also in this related. It's just not the last mile. They're looking right. and trying to get. They finally got commercial authorization, but this is right. a product that quite it doesn't exist yet, right? No. So FedEx will be doing. Uh, they will be trying this uh, trying this out. Next year, these are autonomous drones. And uh, what is it called? The Chap- Chap- Chaparral? It's Chaparral C1. Chaparral. And I only know that because here in Austin, we used to have Chaparral Ice. At least that's how we uh, pronounced it. Chaparral Ice. So Elroy Air. And so so the reason this is all interesting is we've been talking about on the show, Toyota and other companies investing hundreds of millions of dollars into autonomous drone taxi these things where we're going to put people in it. And, you know, we even did a story a couple of weeks ago about some Swedish company that, you know, you can buy the, you know, the quadcopter, electric quadcopter that can go up in the air for eight minutes, but it only holds a 182 pound person. So it's like <laughs> one American thigh can go up in the air without the human being. Yeah. But the, the, the thing about this is that this is the actual application of that, that, that device, that EV, that vehicle is, this is the application of it, it's delivering goods. We all got used to pre-2020. I was already like, why would I walk into this? Like everything that I buy at Walmart on a every two-month basis, the, you know, my deodorant, soap, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I can just get Amazon to deliver it and it's cheaper in most cases. Or I walk into one Walmart, they don't have the lotion I use, so I have to go to another Walmart. Already and- I've blown the operation. 
pre Panini, I was getting yeah. there were certain products. It was getting to the point that I I could get things in hours instead of days, right? And that was pre Panini, and Panini's kind of. I'm I'm sure they'll eventually get back to that, right? It's all algorithm based and product based hey. in that last mile, as you said, right? Yeah. So I used to live up in in, in Austin in a third third floor walk up, and I hurt my foot, and I started getting Amazon Fresh deliveries because I was like, I can't go buy groceries. It's like I could, but it's like I got a limp and then all this other stuff. And I was like, well, hold on a second. All I had to do was buy $30 worth of groceries and they delivered for free and I tipped the guy five bucks. And I don't have to go down to HEB and stand in the line and do all this mm -hmm. other stuff. So why was I going to the store? Right. Well, so in this one, so the wing is for that last mile. This one yes. in this case is being developed. Uh, right. And I say being developed because this is, again, something that doesn't currently exist, but they're hoping to test it out this time next right. year. Right. But it's essentially instead of being that last mile, it's um, 500 pounds of load. Right. We're yeah. talking about 10 blades. We're talking about essentially they're calling it a drone, but we're talking about a mini plane. Right. right. But it's that's, vertical takeoff. It's vertical takeoff. So you don't need airports or anything like that. It's autonomous. But. We're talking about 500, 500 pounds a pop. Now, yeah. that's we're going from um, uh, single item delivery with, with the wing. Yeah, but what am I thinking of? Where do you store all warehouse? I'm sorry. Right. We're talking about going from one warehouse to another warehouse. We all know because of the last two years what happens when the logistics of getting things from one place to another breaks down. Breaks down right? Yeah. We all know that at this point. We all know what happens right. when that doesn't happen. Now, if we can get products because this is the real use of drones by the way they right. do not want to be they do not need the 50 dollars that you're going to pay to get in an air taxi to go from the front of your house to work they don't want right. that money they'll, they'll no. get it eventually but right. why would they want that money when fedex amazon and everyone else would pay for their right. autonomous drones to not have to sit on a highway in a truck for three days and right. when they can literally fly it direct as the crow flies and it right. takes six hours instead of three days right Correct. it doesn't matter so, if it's 500 pounds a pop right and the other the other matter is that's 500 today like they're saying it'll carry 500 right now by 2024 it'll probably be thousand pounds and if you can drop that thing at a thousand pounds and you do all the math of the trucks, the maintenance, all this other stuff, you can put 10,000 of these in the sky uh, for what it costs to put 15 trucks on them. And you would have to put tens of thousands to actually make this effective in any Correct. way. I mean, when yeah. you think about the amount of product that any company, whether yeah. it's FedEx, UPS, any of them, even the smallest carrier, it would right. take thousands of these to at 500 pounds a pop. Like it, right. it would take a lot, right? So to yeah. to get them this, and oh by the way, if and I think Danny and I predicted this, if this is you know a step in the future, it's also using a hybrid electric engine, which I think yeah. Danny didn't is you it, and I is, say that. Yeah, of course. That that was because the future was hybrid yeah, engines and the hybrid electric because the you're never going to get to a place at least in the next fifteen years is my belief where the batteries are light enough and store enough juice to where you can you can actually get any some meaningful use out of it. Whereas if you put a tiny internal combustion engine that, that is charging the battery, all of a sudden you have a useful item. There's a lot of utility to that. Again, I'm a car guy, so I want to hear lots of noises. 
I don't care about fuel economy, big burnouts. Uh, you know, that's that's where I'm coming from. But you know, I'm separating what I desire from the reality, which is hybrid electric is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I do find it a little, little curious, being from Dallas myself, that both of these companies are trying to start out in DFW. I'm kind of curious, and I didn't get a chance to look at in this, whether Dallas is trying to, you know, certain places out there make it much easier for companies to do certain things. Of and they do it by tax incentives or whatever. Right. I wonder if Dallas is trying to get a, like, dip that toe into hey you want this technology our cities are going to be more lenient about use of our airspace right Right. these kind of things and and that's probably true it is texas we are rapidly turning into california which is uh, (laughs) unseemly to someone like me who came to texas to get away from that kind of nonsense but you know the the lenience to allow this kind of stuff is part of what makes texas uh a place to move which is it's a very people. business friendly state it yeah. really is and here's the thing if you're not business friendly you're not people friendly that's always my view but uh anyways i just thought this was you know we're going to keep following stories like this autonomous drones autonomous electric flying vehicles and there's this what a vtol vertical takeoff is the yes you know, Ver- vertical takeoff something. and landing yeah and landing there you go um but this if you want Flying taxis one day, autonomous taxis, and and that stuff. This I is what you. This is what you have to hope happens for. There are a lot of people right. out there that do. You have an entire current generation that my children are in, right? The alpha generation that right. could probably never drive, and they would be okay. Like that's, if they, that's sad. if there was autonomous cars right now. Yeah. Look right. I, again. I have my kids are 14, 13, and thirteen, but I know people that have kids, obviously 18, 19, 20 years old. Right. At least half of the eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds I know don't yeah. have a driver's license. Yeah, no, my nephew is eighteen and does not have a driver's license, and I cannot. And now it's to the point where I went around and was like, just please go get this. It, it will make everyone's life easier. And I'm like, I had to bend over backwards to get my parents to let me get my license. And I didn't realize that if all I did was just waited six months, he would flip the tables and would turn the tables on them. And they're like, oh my goodness, you need to do this. And if he's like that at 18 right now, imagine what uh, your nephew that was just born not too long ago, right? Um, When he turns 18, right? Yeah. They're going to not want it at all, right? It's just an inconvenience to them. I'm a little more hands on with the, the, the younger nephew. You're going to get the car into the car. Yeah. Already got there. Already brainwashing with car toys and car noises. And, yeah. You know, and my boys are playing. all up in that. I know. Am I old enough to get my, my oldest will turn 15 this year. And he's oh. already all up in the, uh, can I have my driver's license, my permit? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If you guys lived further out in the country, can you get a license right now? Technically, yes. Okay. I had a, uh-huh. I had a ranch license when I was nine. So yes, Texas gotta love it. All right, yeah. We're, All we're right, what's our last story? This. Our last story. We're gonna jump into it. Is about Gary V, one of my favorites. But first, I want to tell you about Avenue Lucky. Avenue Lucky is my agency. We develop websites and provide done for you marketing services. You can go to avenuelucky.com and check all of our services out there and learn a little bit too about some of the other in-house projects that have been uh, standouts uh, as, as sponsors on the show. So this, uh, so this last one, I just want to say about Gary V. And you know, he's purchased. He's now a team owner of a major league sport. He owns a team in major league pickleball. 
<laughs> I, okay, look, I shouldn't laugh. This is, according to Gary Vanderchuk, yeah. this is the next big thing. He believes that the aging population of people out there um, that that will just embrace over the next decade, embrace pickleball. If you don't know what pickleball right. is, look it up. It's very much like tennis. A lot it's of very similar rules. Right, so it's tennis, but with with uh, ping pong paddles, essentially. Right? It's, it's like a cross between tennis and ping pong, right? Yeah. You play it on a tennis court, but it takes yeah. up half the court, right? Yeah. And they have pickleball courts out there. It's just an mm. easier form of tennis. It's like right. a less running, but it's still active, right? right? And it can still be very competitive. They use a much lighter ball, right? So it's much more like, like I said, uh, you know, um, tabletop tennis, if you call it that, or ping pong, whatever. The point, can though, I is... Can just is, tell you one of my major beefs with the sport is the name? Pickleball? Pickleball? I, look, I'm sure there's some story out there that some old yeah. wife will tell me about yeah, how that, pickleball became called pickleball. Maybe right. they used to pickle. I don't know. And, that's, and that story is stupid. Pick a better <laughs> name. Right? I refuse to, like... There it is can't be any of, dumber than basketball that they just hung baskets up on the side of the... Like, well... That's where is, basketball got basketball from, so... That's fair. And, I mean, football is outside of the United States... You're kicking it with your foot, but in the United yeah. States, we have real football where people are getting concussions and hurting their brains. But listen, there's there's a part of me that goes like, so is Gary V, is he making the market or is he following a trend? That's, is he just early to a trend or is he making a market? This is a question that I always have about Gary V. But let me say this first about Gary V. People hate on this guy. Like he is out there charging three thousand dollars. Like Tony Robbins is charging three grand a conference to show up a ticket to a conference. Mm -hmm. Gary V is doing stuff for free. There are people right now in this country that are making 70, 80, 90,000, 100,000 dollars a year because they listened to Gary V and did something. All right. Now, sure. Gary V, and people view a lot of people like Ethan Klein of H3 talks like, you know, they think he's some sort of scam artist. How are you scamming people when you give them something for free? Like, what? I mean, so, so my beef with people, and I'm not some fanboy, I'm not a raging fanboy of any character in any industry. Okay. I'm a raging fanboy of my own self interest. But I, I got to say this about Gary V, like, hey guys, like, what is he? Like, so he put out an NFT project. You didn't buy it. Did it force you to go to war in a foreign country? No, it didn't. So, like, you didn't Danny, have to buy actually, it. Danny introduced me to Gary Vee. I did not know who Gary Vee was when Danny and I first met. And then he referenced him several times. And, and I eventually had to go look him up and have been a fan of his ever since. Right. I think anybody that doesn't like Gary V, it's because they don't like the way he goes about. They don't believe that what he does and says is real. They're right. they're taking the nobody's this good approach, right? And if right. and if you're if I don't believe that you're acting in earnest, that you're actually this guy, then I believe that you're a fugaze. And if you're a fugaze, yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. you, right? right? I think that's most issues people with Gary V. Is there's a lot of people out there that just don't like how real he is or right. the positive spin that he takes on everything. There's right. A lot and of people just, out there that can't take that either. Yeah, and let me just add this to the to the mix. Gary V is less of a scammer than a professor at a university. Right. Take any university in this country. I don't think he would like that analogy because he doesn't believe in college. So. No, I don't either. But I'm just saying right. we, we exist in a country. We exist in a society that places a lot of 
used to, and that is quickly eroding, and that is to the benefit of our society, I believe, this belief that college is going to help you do anything, right? Of course, of course, nobody's talking about medical school. Of course, nobody's talking about whatever. But the reality is that um, people view Gary Vee as like, he's telling people not to go to school and pursue their passions. Like, he's not a criminal. He wrote a couple of books. You don't have to consume them. But the reality is there are universities out there nonprofit state-sponsored universities that are scamming children, 18-year-old young adults out of money and a future more than Gary Vee ever has, ever will, or ever could, or ever could dream of doing. So that all of that to say, all of that to say, um, I, this guy makes an investment into something and it's pickleball and it makes me go, what is this? And here's why I put the story in today. Uh-huh. Is because there was a, a sport called spike ball that went on Shark Tank. And Mark Cuban was doing a podcast recently. And the interviewer asked him, what was the investment you regret not making? And he said, spike ball. He said, I didn't buy into the sport as a sport. And I didn't buy into the sport as a league. And it blew up. Mm-hmm. And the Panini happened. And then everybody wants to be outside. And here's what I think. I think that there is the emergence of esports. You know, people just accept you can make money playing video games on the internet. There is the in the the opposite, which is I think that more and more niche sports are going to find audiences because the same people who accepted esports as a thing will accept that pickleball, professional pickleball professional, whatever. And there's a small niche celebrities that are going to emerge out of those things where they're going to make $150,000 a year playing pickleball or bowling or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And because the ecosystem that esports provided is going to say, I, want to, I don't want to be crammed in a house. I want to go outside and have some physical activity. The Panini forced a lot of people outside of their house for the first time in a long time or because it wasn't... It was an option for all of your life and you didn't care. But now that someone's saying you can't do it, you want to go screw you, I'm going to go do it. Right. Content consumption is definitely a big deal. Right. Obviously. And you like we you and I, every time we cover a Gary Vee story, we always ask the question of, is he creating that audience? Is he creating that story by being a part of it? So is he actually making who will be the consumers? And the only way they found it was through Gary Vee. Right. Or is he just, does he have that Following foresight, right? Right. Now, I will say this. This is. <laughs> I think it's both. I think it's both things. Well, I'm just I saying think... this This league, this pickleball league, by the way, is some yeah. ticky-tack, backwoods. And look, Gary Vee hey. may bring in a lot of no's. They're supposed to have, according to their website and according to the article, yeah. 12 teams this coming 2022 season. Wow. Uh, Gary Vee is one of the new owners, so apparently really? they have one. But when you go to their website, their website is god-awful, by the right. way. Yes. And the six teams that they had listed that played, apparently there was a 2021 league that nobody right. knew about season. Right. Um, and one of them is Gary Vee. So I don't know whether he bought an, an existing team and is renaming it or he created a new team for himself and one dropped out. I don't know. But here's no, the... He him and someone else, I think it's him and his brother, played someone else and Andre Agassi and beat them in pickleball. 
So Andre Agassi, it doesn't matter if he's a retired pro. If you're if you're a professional tennis player, somebody should be able to smoke you at pickleball. Right? Well, I'm just saying, here's the name of the teams. Uh, Gary right. V's team is named 5S. I have no idea what that means, what it stands for. No, but it's, it's the fives. I can tell you what it stands okay. for. All right, the fives. What does the five right, stand for then? Go okay. Ahead. So, oh, uh, Gary V, five, right? I've heard him make that reference before. V stands for five in Roman numerals. That could be it. But uh, uh, what I understand is Gary V wanted a Jets jersey when he was a kid, and his parents were broke. So his mother knitted him a sweater that in the in the Jets colors, and then she just put five as the number on the jersey. Jersey. Uh, so, so it's like his always... number, favorite number kind of thing. For, uh, I knew he was a Jets fan. That makes sense. So the so the Gary V five the the uh, the fives, the fives. Uh, yeah. chimeras team chimeras B, chimeras team yeah. blqk all capitalized it's, so it sounds know. like it sounds like a radio station somewhere in el paso or like it sounds like a radio station somewhere on your drive to el paso and you, <laughs> today it, on team blqk yes it does blqk in the morning uh, just <laughs> check it in with you there's a little bit of traffic. That's right on the main stop line road. So that's right. Uh, ATX, ATX pickle, pickleballers. Dumbest team. name. <laughs> dumbest name. Okay, it is the Houston it. Texans of names. I'm, I'm a Texans fan. If I'm a fan of a football team in Texas, it's the Texans, not the not the um, Cowboys. No, I'm going but, ATX pickleballers from now on. I am a pickleballer <laughs> for life. ATX pickleballers team clean. Right. <laughs> ranchers there and we the lines. That's ranchers and the lines. Yeah. So, I, and I'm just saying, so they're supposed to have 12 teams. It's uh, April. They don't even have yeah. what 12 teams they are. There's yeah. really, it's really bad and, information. And like they need to just nail it down. And it's majorleaguepickleball.net already. <laughs> already it's out. MLP for sure. Yeah. ML, like, okay, you're going to get a letter from MLB like immediately. Yeah. It's going to be like, well, all right, it sounds too close. to You're going to have to, right. major league, you're going to have to call it something. Right. No, but, the, like, listen, I included the story because I saw this, and I was like, like the headline or whatever popped up was, Gary V buys major league, and I stopped reading. Of course. <laughs> but, listen, I think that these are the kind of, let me put it this way. When I have $100 million in net worth, or if, when I have $10 million in net worth, these are the kinds of bets I want to be making. Because I, I say this repeatedly on the show, I'm a gambler and an investor, and I think it's like you have to make gambles like this. And, and, and what I said before was, I think it's both. I think Gary V is looking like, hey, there's a spark of something here, and Gary V is gasoline. Yeah. So I, I'm going to take the spark of something. I'm going to invest in it. What is this investment? I, there's no way that this investment is anything more than eighteen dollars. You can buy a tank of gas. <laughs> the cheaper. price of jerseys and some yeah. pickleball gear. Like, yeah, so which is, obviously well, he is... probably brought on people to buy teams with him. He probably yeah. brought on half of the additional 12 investors, right? You got to assume he yeah. brought five or six buddies along with him to buy yeah. teams, right? Yeah. And they he's already had enough. They've, they just released. They're also, they're going to get their, uh, let's see, MLP team competition to take place in uh, Dripping, Texas, right? It's outside of Austin, Central Texas. Dripping so Springs, right? Yeah, Dripping Springs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the finals are going to be on the CBS Sports Network. That's something. So he brought in television and probably some owners 
Right. These, whoever developed this pickle league, right? And then just said, yeah. hey, let's do a nonprofit so we can do this. We'll get some of our buddies' companies to come in here, sponsor right. a team, right? And we'll do it all here, whatever. And so they set up this little nonprofit. I guarantee you it's a guy and a buddy because that's right. all nonprofits in Central Texas are some right. guy and his buddy run a football, right. some whatever. Right, so right, they right. got a guy and his buddy, and then in walks the door Gary V one day, and they're like, we just hit big time. Yeah. We just hit big time. We just we just hit it. And let me just add this to the mix also. I think there's a certain amount of fatigue when it comes to major league sports, you know, basketball, football, baseball. There's a certain amount of, like with college and professional sports where it's become too political. It's become so competitive. It's not fun anymore. We're looking at these guys who are jacked up on, you know, PEDs, and, you know, these kids who are probably getting concussions and, you know, doing whatever. We, we've lost we've lost the luster and the fun of playing a game for money. But we've stopped recognizing, hey, wait, we're playing a game for money. God bless America. God bless the free market. God bless capitalism. We're making whatever amount. So I think some of it is that that has been lost, right? It's become so overproduced and professional. There's too much politics and this and that. And so we look at, you know, like the XFL and these, you know, competitor NFL competitor leagues. Right. The Rockham's one now. Yeah. The AFL. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, those are like, it takes so much bandwidth to make those function. And that bandwidth equals capital and that capital equals like, this is money to lose. Whereas pickleball, spike ball, you know, esports, they're a little less, uh, capital intensive and it becomes fun. And it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of like a hipster thing where like, wow, I was into dashboard confessionals before everyone else, you know, like, and then, <laughs> Oh, I was into pickleball long before the ranchers. That's right. the point. Like, but right. look, and, and I agree with you. I only laughed while you were doing that because you almost word for word recited um, the monologue from basketball. Did you ever yeah. see basketball? No, and of course it, you not. know, uh, if you haven't out there, you should definitely watch basketball because it falls directly in line with what Danny was just saying about all these sports have gotten out of hand. They need a new right. sport where they can make the rules where you can't right. trade players. You can't do this. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's a, it's a it's a it's a um, a sport for the everyday person. You know what I right. mean? That they yeah. can get behind. Look, pickleball should definitely be one of those. Um, I'm going to tune in just to see how pickleball competitive really is. <clears throat> hey, listen. I have watched professional bowling, and I thought, I don't know what I'm doing with my life is the first question I have. And the second question I have is, why did I get it? How, how, why is it so easy to get into professional bowling? I'm like, you're just watching that. Like, up next is uh, Big Bad Joe. He is the, uh, the bad boy of uh, professional bowling. And here's my he, – the other part about professional bowling that I like is there is somebody on there who looks like me. And to go, but, hey. But they're getting paid. They're getting paid. Yeah. Look, I will put this pickleball in the same category as a lot of other things, and I say this all the time, especially yeah. about sports. There are sports out there right now that go on somewhere around the world that people right. are making a ton of money at, and they are the best in their business of a sport that you have no idea that existed. 
Okay, right. there is a cup stacking competition out there where you can make money stacking cups faster than anybody stacks cups that's ever stacked a cup. Yeah, now, and, that, and it's a real thing. People yeah, compete and they go to malls on the weekends and they, they prepare and they are working. And, and so there, there are sports all around the world that you and I have never heard of that people right. make money at and go through every day. Like, and so, so I'm I always have, amazed when I come across them. I have heard of cup stacking. I was I, I tried to become a professional cup stack. I'm kidding, but I have heard of it. I mean, it, it was this thing in junior high. No, in elementary school, the gym teacher pulls us out and was just like, "Like, what are we doing here?" Like, I wonder yeah. why my generation is morbidly obese and can't do math. You know, so so I'll put pickleball in that category, which I I'm always interested to give anything a shot. You know what I mean? So here's what I will say. If it was me, and it's like, hey, you can invest in uh, the what is it, major league soccer or pickleball? <laughs> Screw soccer. This is American. I refuse. <laughs> I will come in and I will own the pickleball category, but we got to work on the name pickleball. Okay, it well, sounds it feels too much like dickball. Okay, that's the problem. It's it's set now. I don't know that you could change it now. I think they'll definitely rename the league. Major League Pickleball is, again, too close to baseball. I think they're going to get into some stuff. So I think they'll have to work the name. But look, again, I'm going to go back to this. Falls into that category. If you really want to know about some of these oddball sports out there and stuff like that, uh, just look up your local mall's website and look and see what's in that mall on a Saturday. I guarantee you somebody is renting out like the lunchroom, whether it's Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or cup stacking or whatever, or your local, like our HEB center over here. If you see what they're doing on days that the Texas stars aren't here, right? And and all that stuff. They got conventions going on for God knows what human beings. Hey, let me just say this in closing is like Lewis House, who has a huge presence on YouTube and social media, and Marcus Brown, Mark Marquez Brownlee, he's a tech YouTuber. Both of them are professional athletes in some category, two different sports, neither of which I heard of. And I think Lewis House is an Olympic athlete. He went to the Olympics to play some sport I've never heard of. Okay. Well, now I have to find some obscure, obscure sport that I'm really good at. Like, I don't know what it is. Well, let me just, I don't want to announce this to the market explainer. It's an exclusive, but we will. I'm currently working on a, what I call the supersize league, which is fat guys. It's a fat guy fight league. Okay. It's 30 second rounds. 30 second rounds. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's the um, it's super heavyweight. So it's 350 plus. No one, no one in this category who looks like they eat well. Right. So, and uh, there's three rounds, 30, 30 seconds each, and there's uh, four minute breaks in between. So, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Snacks are optional, but bring your own. Yeah. No, it's uh, for sure they're just going to be handing out pasta, chicken Alfredo from Olive Garden to the to fighters on the side. <laughs> got a carbo. Uh, all right. right, Danny, you got one of your uh, euphemisms for us? So a euphemism this week. We actually, we, we have another tip of the week, which is first quit quitting, then never stop, never stop. So like, uh, we're, we're sticking with Gary V today. All right. Hey, Very well, nice. Very nice. Fair enough. All right. If I don't quit first, folks, we'll see you next week. Bye now. <laughs>